This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, August 27th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Town Council sends lodging tax question to voters. Telluride pushes for climate change action. Mountain Village approves Trails Master Plan and a mountain weather forecast. Voters in Telluride will have an opportunity this fall to decide who collects a 2% lodging tax, and to some extent, what happens to the money. Currently, there is a 2% tax on all nightly lodging accommodations, paid by those who stay in the units. Taxes are collected by the state in the towns of Telluride and Norwood and unincorporated parts of the county. The funds then go back to the county to be spent on marketing and tourism. Specifically, the funds go to Marketing Telluride, Inc., also known as the Telluride Tourism Board. Mountain Village collects its own lodging tax but opted out of the county tax in the early 90s. This week, Telluride Town Council approved to send a ballot measure to voters for Telluride to opt out of the county lodging tax and implement a 2% tax of its own. If voters approve the ballot measure, the town of Telluride would collect, retain, and spend the revenue, rather than sending it to the county. As written, the ballot measure identifies three purposes for collected funds. One of the purposes is to fund activities related to tourism or marketing of the Telluride community. That's Telluride town attorney Kevin Geiger speaking before council this week. The second purpose would be to, quote, manage the effects of tourism on the community and its natural resources. And then the third is that we then provided a list of examples. This is including, but not limited to, a number of other examples of broad town purposes that can be advanced and that the money from this tax, should it be approved by the voters in November, uh, that that expenditure can occur consistent with the approval. Those uses include improving transportation services, improving the town's wastewater treatment facility, and acquisition of property for, and or the construction of, affordable or employee housing. Town Council unanimously voted to send the measure to the ballot. Voters will have the opportunity to make a decision on the measure at the November 2nd election. Telluride is looking to go aggressive when it comes to lowering carbon emissions and reducing climate change in the area. To do that, the town is updating its Climate Action Plan, or CAP. It's a strategic process for developing the policies and programs designed to reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions while adapting to the impacts of climate change that are um, unavoidable. That's Angela Pishman with Cascadia Consulting Group, a firm tasked with helping Telluride to update the CAP. She says now is a good time to start making changes. Global warming of 1.5 and 2 degrees Celsius will be exceeded during the 21st century unless deep reductions in carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions occur in the coming decades, Um, which I think is good framing to go into our next conversation, which is about um, Telluride's emissions forecasts and how um, the town wants to set targets to reduce those emissions. To start, Cascadia developed a greenhouse gas inventory and forecast to see where Telluride is starting from. Here's Cascadia's Tristan Smith. Starting with uh, the 2020 emissions profile, uh, the city of Telluride's 2020 community-wide emissions uh, were just roughly around uh, 50,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. Uh, 
most of these trends in terms of the relative contribution of various sectors are pretty consistent with most Colorado and U.S. cities, with most emissions coming from the transportation and built environment sectors. So this uh, built environment being natural gas and electricity use in buildings. He says modeling forward, Cascadia forecasts emissions will go up by 2050. As population, uh, number of jobs and housing units in the town continue to grow. Cascadia has worked with Telluride's Ecology Commission to place targets in the cap on reducing greenhouse gas emissions in that time. Taking an aggressive stance, the Ecology Commission is recommending Telluride reduce emissions by 70 percent by 2030 and reach carbon neutral emissions by 2040. Carbon neutral in this case could mean a 95 percent emissions reduction and achieving net zero emissions uh, through the use of carbon offsets. Uh, reducing through active measures of uh, local action or carbon dioxide removal, uh, and then uh, using carbon sequestration or some combination of those. Smith notes the targets are aggressive, and Cascadia Consulting supports them. With that said, he adds there are considerations when it comes to adopting ambitious goals. A longer emissions reduction time frame does provide more time for state and federal standards to come in play which typically can lead to lower costs at the local level. Uh, However, delaying climate action can be more costly than proactive action. uh, And the longer the delay, there's the longer and higher cost of climate impacts. In addition, he says an aggressive timeline will need stronger buy-in from the community and could require extra cost. However, acting more quickly does reduce the cost of climate impacts in the long term and may result in greater and quicker realization of co-benefits. Uh, And so just wanted to reiterate that more aggressive timelines do uh, typically require a little bit more strategic and aggressive implementation planning to really hit the ground running. And of course, Telluride won't be going it alone. New federal and state regulations will help bring emissions down. But for Smith, that doesn't diminish the importance of action on the local level. You know, there's no silver bullet approach to solving climate change, uh, but you should never uh, neglect the need for ambitious policy and governmental action. There needs to be uh, robust and strategic implementation at the local level to create sustainable carbon neutrality in the long term. When it comes to those ways of lowering emissions dramatically, Cascadia notes one strategy could be banning the use of natural gas in buildings in town. While council was supportive of adopting ambitious targets, that strategy feels a little scary. Here's council member Adrian Christie. That's a way that we would be aggressive. We would say the town of Telluride can no longer operate on natural gas, and then we would eliminate that from our community. Like That feels extreme to me, so I'm just trying to understand what that aggression might look like Um, because in theory it sounds great but in reality I don't want to tie us to something that isn't achievable based on what our community needs and the economy that we have um, set up for ourselves. But Mayor Delaney Young who sits on the Ecology Commission notes the suggestion is just that. And to find strategies that actually work for the community is going to require buy-in. As much as it would knock the needle down, for our community, that's probably not realistic in the short term. So we need the public to give us ideas on what they are capable of and willing to do. Multiple members of council and staff stressed the need for extensive community input on the cap. 
While council originally hoped to approve the climate action plan in October of this year, council decided to push the adoption date into 2022 in the hopes of gathering more feedback from the public. A survey to provide input on the climate action plan is available at telluride-co.gov. Mountain Village is one step closer to having miles and miles of more hiking, walking, and biking trails. Last week, Mountain Village Town Council approved the new Trails Master Plan. The plan does include an introduction, an existing conditions chapter where we assess needs and um, talk about uh, what the public really wants to see with regards to trails in Mountain Village. Uh, We talk about recommendations and projects. And then finally, the implementation chapter. That's Dave Foster with Alta Planning and Design, the firm helping to develop the plan. Foster presented the plan to Mountain Village Town Council at its meeting last month. The plan has goals for trails in Mountain Village, like ensuring trail users feel safe and provide year-round opportunities for recreation. Developing a trail system that promotes effortless navigation and one that is sustainable and respects Mountain Village's environment and a plan that collaborates with regional partners. The nearly 90-page document discusses the trails in Mountain Village already, addresses different types of trails and paths, construction requirements. But a large portion focuses on where the town would like to see new trails go. In total, Mountain Village suggests 41 new trails to be constructed in the coming years. The trails are broken into three phases based on a number of project goals. They include connectivity, safety, Uh, navigation, recreation, sustainability, and finally partnerships. Each trail is given a 0 to 2 rating to determine priority. Phase 1 trails include a Meadow Express Bridge, renovation of Jurassic Trail, the Lawson Hill Connector. And while Town Council just gave final approval of the plan, some of the projects are already making their way through. Since we kind of began um, the plan, there's, there's been a lot of progress that's already been made by the town. The SR-145 Great Separated Crossing is moving forward, and that was actually our highest scoring project from from our project prioritization. Shoulder improvements on San Joaquin have also happened. Um, Policy recommendations like instituting a dismount zone in Heritage Plaza is also happening. And in his presentation, Foster made sure to note the priority of each trail is subject to change. It's really meant to be a guidepost. Um, you need to be flexible and opportunistic when it comes to funding so you can take advantage of partnerships or when properties are redeveloping, you know, work with developers to get the right solutions in. So we try to add some language in that just encourages that flexibility. It doesn't commit the city to spending any specific amount of money on a yearly basis or, or doing things in a particular order. Last week, the Trails Master Plan nearly passed in what could be record time, with Council Member Patrick Berry making a motion to approve just five seconds after the item came before council. But council member Pete Dupre hopped in with some concerns about the finances of the plan. Construction of all the trails will take roughly $15 million. There's no way to pay for this. We got a sewer treatment plan we got to spend money on. We got to gobble The rest of council quickly jumped in to the plan's defense. Mayor Leila Benitez notes having the plan will actually make it easier to get grant or partnering funding to actually decrease the amount of each project. And council will have approval of each individual project before construction begins. If I thought for a minute that we were like green lighting a $15 million spend, I would be 
saying exactly what you're saying, but this is just us approving the plan that these are the trails that we consider important and should they, the opportunity come up, whether by us, a partner, a developer, <coughs> smart, anyone, if the opportunity comes up, these are plans that we have said, yes, we think these are important trails. In the end, the trails master plan passed with unanimous support. If you think about the major workforce housing sites in the region, they're mostly owned by local governments. Shandoka, Village Court Apartments, Virginia Placer. The towns of Telluride and Mountain Village both have experience in the affordable housing development game. Now, San Miguel County may also step in. At a meeting this week, the Board of County Commissioners had a preliminary discussion on the nuts and bolts it would take for the county to build workforce housing. At the meeting, Telluride Mayor Pro Tem Todd Brown explained, For the town, most of the work has flowed pretty easily once they identified a workable site. The just getting off our butts and, and doing stuff was the hardest part of the whole thing. Not letting perfection stand in the way of getting things done. The commissioners want to get moving. They instructed County Manager Mike Bordonia to put together a request for proposal for a contractor to evaluate various sites, including a county-owned plot of land near Priest Lake, for housing development sustainability. Could you write the next great American not-novel the Wilkinson Public Library will be hosting a writing workshop next week with author and journalist Jonathan P. Thompson. The workshop will work through the tenets of writing creative nonfiction, discussing and practicing telling stories through personal experience, writing about news, politics, or social issues through the lens of your own stories. The workshop will take place in the Telluride Room of the Library from 2 to 5 p.m. on Tuesday, August 31st. It is free and open to the public. All you need is paper and something to write with. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is looking for members of the community to serve on the board responsible for overseeing the Outdoor Equity Grant Program. The Colorado legislature passed a bill to create the grant program earlier this year. According to CPW, the purpose of the grant program is to, quote, increase access and opportunity for underserved youth and their families to experience Colorado's state parks and outdoor space. CPW notes it is looking for members of the community who have experience with racial justice issues, environmental issues, conservation issues, and those who identify as LGBTQ+, in addition to individuals with experience providing outdoor education and disability-accessible outdoor programming. CPW is also looking for two youth members of the board. The board will have nine voting members serving four-year staggered terms. Applications for the board are due by August 31st. Applications are available at cpw.state.co.us. The U.S. Interior Department announced this month that oil and gas leasing will resume on federal lands. It's the latest update in a legal tug-of-war between the Biden administration and the fossil fuel industry over the president's pause on the federal leasing program, which he enacted almost immediately after taking office. Regardless of who the courts end up siding with, though, many advocates across the West say the entire system of federal energy development is in desperate need of reform. Will Walkie from KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming, has more. 
Earlier this year, in Montana's Tendoy Mountains near the Idaho border, bighorn sheep were released into the wilderness in an attempt to re-establish a herd that had previously dominated the range. In video captured by the news site Montana Standard, the sheep sprang out of trucks and onto snow-packed fields, sprinting into a new life. But the wilderness those sheep and local outdoorsmen enjoy could face numbered days. The Tendoy Mountains are on a short list of western destinations that face potential fossil fuel development after the recent unpausing of Biden's pause on the federal oil and gas leasing program. And so that's where the rubber really hits the road in the case of oil and gas leasing, these parcels that are leased off for nothing. I mean, less than the cost of a hamburger. Aaron Weiss is deputy director for the Center for Western Priorities, a public lands advocacy group. He says when federal parcels are leased by oil and gas companies, it means they can't be preserved in any other way. In Wyoming, thousands of acres have already been sold for potential future development. Even if all leasing stopped right now and never resumed, you would have a decade or more of production more or less where it is now because of everything that the oil and gas industry has already leased and is already sitting on. So really, it's a question of what happens to these state economies over the next 10, 20 years. But that is a fundamental question anyway because of climate change. President Biden enacted a moratorium on new oil and gas leases on federal lands within the first couple weeks of his administration, citing the need to reform a system that he says gives too much power to fossil fuel companies. But in the months since that decision, local politicians such as Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon and both of the Cowboy State Senators have been extremely critical of the moratorium. I want to make clear that leasing ban is having an impact on the economy and is doing nothing to solve the environmental problems that they're trying to address. It makes no sense to send production to other countries when we could be doing it here. Wyoming's energy has powered this nation for decades. So today, Wyoming and the Rocky Mountain West is under attack. Not surprisingly, fossil fuel companies have been equally critical. On August 16th, the American Petroleum Institute filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration claiming that the federal government is obligated to hold lease sales. But Weiss says these companies are crying wolf about the moratorium's impact. Anyone who says that this leasing pause has caused any effect to state economies is just simply full of it. There is, there is no evidence of that whatsoever. In fact, active drilling rigs increased in Wyoming over the past year, according to Gordon and the Casper Star Tribune. But a federal judge in Louisiana still ruled back in June that new oil and gas leasing must resume on public lands after a different lawsuit. The Department of the Interior has said it will appeal that ruling, but in the meantime, some public lands will officially go back up for sale starting this month. That is not a process where you can just snap your fingers and lease a couple hundred thousand acres tomorrow. And with how long these things usually take, it means the first possible oil and gas lease sales that we could see uh, could be coming up in the fourth quarter of this year. Weiss says he thinks it's possible that the Louisiana ruling could be reversed in court. But what's more important is a fundamental rethinking of the value of our public lands. We cannot treat uh, oil and gas development. We cannot treat mining as the primary desired use of our public lands. There are more important uses of them, including conservation, including hunting and fishing. 
A number of bills that would update the federal oil and gas leasing program are currently on the table before Congress. But one thing's for sure, according to Weiss, the fossil fuel industry hasn't shown that it's willing to compromise with politicians or advocacy organizations like his. Oil and gas CEOs are responsible to their shareholders and not to their kids and grandkids. Uh, we've seen no interest in actually uh, being responsible when it comes to, to fixing this system. So intense legal battles between Biden and fossil fuel companies are going to persist for months, possibly years to come. The Department of the Interior announced Thursday that it'll review its coal leasing program as well. However, the Biden administration has already said a pause on new coal leases previously put in place under Obama and then reversed under Trump won't happen on his watch. Will Walkie, k 2 News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday, expect sunny skies during the day with mostly clear skies at night and patchy smoke. The high is in the mid-70s with a low around 50. Sunday should be sunny with a high around 75 degrees. Sunday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 50. This has been the news for Friday, August 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our summer fund drive. A huge thank you to Katie Jewett, Alex Rowlandson, David Oyster, Gigi Gerlach, Elaine and Damon Damas, Jeff and Jane Hickox, Kathleen and Art Waldrop, Melanie Kent and Jaime Palmer, Freddie Bench, Danny Kraft, Chris Campbell, Kirk Merlin Alberg, Dufree Day, Amy Yenkin, Anthony Cavanaugh, Sharon Green, John Fortner, Sally Jones, Sarah Enders, Delton and Blair Poole, Cindy Guy, Todd Muchow, Ron Shin, Chris Rain, Pam Sims, Janice and Johnny Girona, Nan Emmerich, Joanna and Daniel Kanow, Manny Danger, Jennifer Barker, Pepper and Steve Raper Cantillo, Sarah Vavra, Tim Torito, Tim Erdman, Jim Jennings, Jennifer Ogilvy, Cormac Burke, and Matt Kuzmich. Thank you all so much. And now, a personal commentary. Hey, Kodo listeners. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and Tri-County Health Network has lots of events in store to memorialize those we have lost, support those still struggling with thoughts of suicide, and provide educational resources for the community. Join us for a youth mental health first aid class on September 13th and for a Safe Talk Suicide Alertness training on September 21st to learn how to support people experiencing mental health challenges or thoughts of suicide. On September 26th, join us in Town Park for the AFSP Out of the Darkness Suicide Prevention Walk. If you're interested in registering, please visit tchnetwork.org backslash events dash and dash classes to sign up. Join us in creating a suicide safer community and always remember you're not alone. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.